<coughs> trying to outvoice each other. Brother Jerry here. Amen. Well, okay, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the beautiful sun. Thank you for just a beautiful day, another day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad in it and be in your house. And thank you, Lord, for all those who are here already. Thank you for the kids downstairs and, and even up here in the auditorium. Thank you for those who are making their way to church. Lord, you uh, keep them safe and, and we have a good time of fellowship to do it today. But right now, Lord, would you help us as we go to your word again and uh, learn more from your word. Thank you for visitors that we're going to have this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's very interesting. Yesterday we had a lean uh, so many team, and then today, for some reason, they're not here. Uh, I guess the beautiful weather, uh, the beautiful, <laughs> you know, when I, when we started, somebody gave me advice and said, start in the fall. So I'm thinking, why not in the summer when it's nice and sunny, you know? Why in the fall? I did it anyway. Now I understand, you know. In the summer, there, <laughs> it's more difficult to get people in church when the weather is beautiful, uh, and then when it's not as, you know, as sunny. And so, I, so now I, looking back, I said, oh, so that's why. Starting the fall and every the other morning. Amen. Well, okay. Uh, just for next week, Lord willing, we'll be able to begin our, um, another part of our study. We will be studying the Antichrist, uh, Lord willing, next week. So uh, just advance reading Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be done with our lesson today. We're talking about the resurrections. And uh, next week, we'll begin our lesson on the Antichrist, the coming one world dictator. I think as we look around and we see what's going on, I think that, um, you know, we, we always say this, we've been saying this, the imminence of the rapture, the imminence of the tribulation is upon us. And certainly the things that were not possible just a few years ago are today just, you know, common day uh, occurrences. I remember not too long ago, if you wanted to contact somebody in the States, you'd have to write a letter, which would take two weeks, and then wait for letters to get back another two weeks. And, uh, but now it's just like uh, you talk to someone from another country, you know, of course, time difference, but there's no more... Um, um, you don't, you don't think they're halfway around the world. And uh, so the technology is what I'm saying today that we have is certainly um, very indicative of the imminence of the rapture and the tribulation period. You know, there have been rumors of wars, wars, a lot of wars, rumors of wars, a lot of earthquakes. But the technology aspect is we did not have this, you know, just a few years ago. And as a matter of fact, uh, just the other day I heard that uh, Mr. Musk, who's into future technology did warn about the AI uh, artificial intelligence and I heard that even some preachers go to AI if you hear that wrong some preachers go to AI and it'll give you a, a almost perfect outline if you know in fact you say in the King James Bible and so just so many things are being done today that are you know we're not possible by the way welcome brother Fanger and I'm sorry Kara I know we met them yesterday, but that's my one of my weaknesses, you know. I'm so friendly, 
were a few years wild and I'm so friendly, but the name just escaped me just right, you know, right down there. But anyway, welcome. They're going to be he's going to be preaching this morning. We you met them yesterday at the subway, and uh, so he's going to be preaching this morning. Uh, we've had three missionaries in the three weeks, right? And so that's good. Anyway, okay. So let's get to our lesson this morning. Uh, so that will be our lesson next week: the Antichrist, uh, the coming one world dictator. Okay, let's allow the others to settle in. Amen. I was kind of wondering if the rapture had taken place. Because, um, but I'm glad that you're here because now I'm, I'm confident I've been left behind. Okay, so let's uh, go back to our lesson about the resurrections. And remember we said that there are going to be basically uh, two classifications of resurrection. The first resurrection and the second resurrection. The first resurrection, there are several uh, resurrections that have happened already that would uh, be all together under the general um, group of first resurrection. Of course, the second resurrection is the resurrection that will bring up those who are not saved and they will stand before the judgment, I mean the great white throne judgment. And last week, we looked at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is the first resurrection. And uh, just uh, very quickly, go to First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18. First Peter three eighteen. First Peter three eighteen. Okay. It says, "For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit." Christ was put to death in the flesh, so Christ died our sins as a man, right? Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He sacrificed as a man because God requires a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's why today you and I are saved from the penalty of our sins because Christ took that penalty upon himself. He suffered uh, for us. He became sin for us, the Bible says. Uh, he was a perfect sacrifice. And so, um, Christ, as a man, as a perfect man, actually died on the cross. He bled. And He died on the cross for you and me. And that's why we have a Savior. Otherwise, we would have no Savior. Because no, there's no other person who was without sin. Adam was, a, Adam was the only person who started without sin. But then sin entered the world through Adam. And everybody born after Adam, and we're all born after Adam, are all descendants of Adam, were born with the sin nature. If Christ was not born with a sin nature. He was born without an earthly father. So the sin nature was not passed on to him. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost, and he was brought forth in the world through the Virgin Mary, but and was 100% man just like you and I. But without sin nature. So he suffered, put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. In other words, he was made alive by the Spirit of God. Um, by the way, before, just very quickly, Ephesians chapter, you know the word quickened, right? In verse number 18, you see that? Go to Ephesians chapter number, uh, let me find my place. 
Ephesians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse number 1, it says here, And you, so that now is talking about you and I who are saved and born again, and you hath he quickened. You see that word? Same word? Quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, we were made alive. We are born spiritually dead, but when we trust in Christ as a personal Savior, of course, repenting of sin and trusting in Christ, you're, we say, born again. In other words, we were given a new life. Not a, not a physical life, but a spiritual life. And we were quickened. As you see the same word, and you have the quickened. And that's referring to us who were previously dead in trespasses and sins. So going back to First Peter 3, um, Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And then verse number 19, by which he also he went and preached under the spirits in prison. So Jesus Christ descended into that place where uh, the souls of those who had died before Christ were at. Now, they were either in a place of torment or in, in the case of the rich man and Lazarus, or Abraham's bosom. So either Abraham's bosom or that place of torment. Those who, were, who died righteous, let's say in the Old Testament, before Christ, they were in the place called Abraham's bosom. Those who died unrighteous were in the place of torment. Again, the rich man, in the story that Jesus would tell us, was in that place of torment. And so Jesus went there, and he preached under the spirits of prison. Now, go with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Verse number one. Because in this verse it says in prison, right? Isaiah 61 and verse number one. Isaiah 61, verse number one. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Okay? Um, so here it describes, it describes people who are uh, in, in prison, they are those who are lost. They're captives. Now go with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, uh, 24 rather. Isaiah 24, and verse number 22. Isaiah 24, verse 22. Isaiah 24, 22. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days shall be vi they be visited. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. So here, it's talking about prison. And that's where Jesus went and he preached under the spirits in prison. Those who are already dead. Now, his preaching to the 
to the spirits in prison was not to convert them, but to announce to them the his finished work on the cross. He announced to them those who refused to believe and died righteous, and, you know, uh, didn't believe in God and and didn't believe in the prophets and didn't believe in in what they were told uh, in prophecy. So now they realized what they had rejected was was actually true. And it um, reminds me of what will happen in the Great White Throne Judgment. Many of those who have died and rejected Christ, died without having trusted in Christ as a personal Savior, and they never bowed the knee, they never confessed that Jesus is Lord, one day when they face the Great White Throne, they will realize that everything they were warned about, everything that they were told, uh, is true. They would have to bow their knee and confess. As a matter of fact, even right now, as they are in torments in hell. Now, like we said last week, one of the greatest, um, and to say that is really not even coming to close how coming close to how it actually is. But you know the regret of having rejected Christ. Maybe some of them were so close. Maybe they were so close to trusting in Jesus. But something kept them. Remember when uh, when Paul said to, uh, when Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me. So in other words, he was he was already, he actually knew. They, they know, they, they knew. But they refused to humble themselves before God and trust in Him as their personal Savior. Maybe it's because of their religion, which is also... Christian. Now the world is, world is majority of the world is part of the Christian world, but but not all are born again believers. So maybe some of them are are very close to got very close to trusting Christ. Maybe some of them said I'll postpone it, and then they didn't have a chance to trust in Christ, and then they died. And in hell, they lift their eyes and in torments. And so maybe if, if you're here this morning and you're not, you have not yet put your complete faith and trust in Jesus alone as your personal Savior, and you die in that condition, immediately your soul will be in hell and will suffer the torments of hell. And will be there in hell for the rest of eternity. Well, the lake of fire. After the great white throne judgment, then the lake of fire. Well, you could say it's it's a, a degree hotter in the lake of fire. I don't know, but hell is a place of torment already, as it is. In the lake of fire. And then there will be a great white throne judgment. We're getting out of the lesson here. That will momentarily take them out of hell, their souls out of hell. And the Bible says, and hell and death were cast into the lake of fire. Well, they'll just be given the opportunity to be reunited with their bodies. That's the second resurrection. And they will bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. But not to their salvation, but to, in fulfillment of Scripture, and they will be cast in the lake of fire. And so, maybe you're here this morning, and you have not yet put your complete, exclusive faith and trust in Jesus. So, what do you mean? Well, maybe you know that Jesus died for your sins, and in fact, you appreciate He died for your sins, and maybe you know that He died to pay for your sins. Yes, and He's the Savior, but. Deep inside you're saying, well, 
I don't deserve to go to hell. And so, I'll, uh, yes, Jesus died for me, but I wasn't really headed to hell. See, you have to make that, you have to accept that. That you, you, are, you are never going to be good enough. You were never going to be good enough. You need to accept that you deserve to be punished for your sin. Uh, you need to accept that only Jesus can save you from your sins. For some people, they say Jesus plus their church. Jesus plus baptism, for example. Jesus plus their good works. I met some people say they agree with everything, except that you have to do your part. You have to do your part. Why? Well, just in case. Oh, yes, Jesus did that for me, but I have to do my part. If that is your position, that means you are not completely trusting in Jesus. And if you do not completely trust in Jesus, He is not your Savior. I, I always say this, we're, you know, we're a Baptist church. But this church cannot save anyone. No church can save anyone. Not a Baptist church, not a Catholic church, not a, any church. Not a religious leader. It has, it's Jesus Christ alone. So, uh, you need to make that, uh, you need to make Jesus the object of your faith for your salvation. Jesus and Jesus alone. And so, um, that's what Jesus did. And then, we saw that, um, go Ephesians chapter number uh, 4. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. And verse number 8. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high and he led captive, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So Jesus ascended up into heaven. And it says that he led captivity captive. So those who were captive, the saints from the Old Testament, who were in the place of Abraham's bosom, or remember we said, uh, the thief said, remember me when thou comest into thy paradise. So uh, paradise, Abraham's bosom, uh, that was the part of uh, that help, uh, that, that was a place of comfort. Well, Jesus took them out of there and would lead them up into heaven. But now Christ uh, ascended into heaven, um, you know, not right away after he resurrected. And so many days after, he ascended into heaven. And that's when he led those who were previously in, in uh, uh, the place of uh, Abraham's bosom. He brought them to heaven. Now what happened uh, in the meantime... Uh, go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. And verse number 57. Matthew 25. 50, right. 50. I'm, not, I'm sorry, Matthew 27, sorry. Matthew 27, verse 50. 
Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Notice the saints. So those who were righteous, died righteous in the Old Testament. Uh, their graves were opened, and uh, those saints slept arose. So this is the, the first resurrection of those Old Testament saints. And came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So let's just look at this verse here. So at the moment that Christ gave up the ghost, he died, the veil was rent, and the graves were opened. After his resurrection, on the third day, he rose from the grave. And um, so these saints came out of the graves and went and those it appeared unto many. And then when Christ would ascend up into heaven, Ephesians chapter 4, then he would take these Old Testament saints up into heaven. So that's the first resurrection of the Old Testament saints that we see in Scripture. Now let's move on. How about the resurrection of the dead in Christ at the rapture? Now this now refers to those who would die in Christ after Christ and until the rapture will take place. Uh, so this means the church, you and I who are saved and born again. Um, all saved people from the cross to the rapture. Every saved person, individual, will be taken up in the rapture. Now some people are thought that uh, it really depends on how faithful you are. And uh, if you're, if you deserve to be taken up the rapture, then you will. But otherwise, you know, that's not, that's not what the Bible says. You know, every person who's saved, born again, becomes righteous in the sight of God, not because of anything that person does or doesn't do, but because of Christ's righteousness. So, you and I who are saved, born again, we have been justified in the sight of God, and not because. I'm a pastor, not because you're faithful in ministry or you, uh, you're doing this or that, but because of Christ. And that is why we, we need to uh, keep that in mind that we need to strive to please the Lord. We need to strive to serve the Lord. Why? Because we have been made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And, and today, uh, it's great. Reminded from last week's message, we need to be reminded about the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And when we sacrifice, you know, we we must always compare our sacrifice to Christ, not to one another. You know, we need to compare our sacrifice to what Christ did on the cross for you and me. And because of uh, our being justified, then we must uh, we must uh, live our lives to please God, to serve Him. Because, um, you know, without Christ, we would have, doesn't matter how hard you tried, the Bible says, fall of sin comes short of the glory of God. And we would never satisfy uh, God's standard of holiness. We would never please God in the flesh. Only in Christ are we able to please God. And so, uh, I'll say this, don't worry. Uh, 
you're not as faithful as so and so, you'll be taken up in the rapture if you're saved born again. But if you're not saved born again, you will not be taken up in the rapture, no matter how good a person you are. It's only the uh, the sacrifice of Christ that makes you eligible for this. Um, John chapter 14, verse number 3. That was our memory verse. Uh, so, what does the Bible say? John 14, verse number 3. I go and prepare a place for you. Is that what is that where it begins? Uh, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, Christ is in heaven. And he wants us to go to heaven. That's exactly what's going to happen at the rapture. First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. Okay, remember we're looking at the dead in Christ, the resurrection of the dead in Christ. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse number thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. So the word sleep refers to those who are dead, dead in Christ. I mean, died uh, having trusted in Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangels, archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So verse 16 says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The resurrection of the dead takes place, um, I guess, seconds before those who are alive at the coming of the Lord will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, you know, split second, I guess. Uh, it's not a process. The power of God is just... I'm say, how about those who have been eaten by sharks? about those who have been eaten by, you know. Well, you know, here we are thinking with our human, in our human box. But the power of God is just beyond our, you know, human imagination. But the Bible does say that the dead in Christ shall rise first. In other words, their bodies. Remember, their souls are no longer there. So when a person dies, the soul leaves the body. The body goes to the ground. Whether eaten by a shark, that's, I guess that's a common. Or it just decays and uh, that, that bo- the Lord will put back that body together and that body will be redeemed. The incorruptible will put on corruptible. The uh, immortality put on uh, uh, mortality put on immortality. So uh, the power of God will uh, do that and, and they will rise first. And so that is the resurrection of the dead in Christ. And uh, so, uh, you know, those who have gone before us, they are uh, the Christians. I mean, they're born-again believers. Their souls are in heaven, and their bodies will be rejoined the soul. And that's why there's going to be a great reunion one day. Comfort one another with these words. My mother, my mother and father, they're already in heaven, 
and their bodies are still in the Philippines. Amen. Uh, but one day they will be resurrected and uh, the great reunion. And yes, we are looking forward to the return of the Lord. That's one of the crowns that are that is reserved to those who love the appearing of the Lord. Um, so that's the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Now, let's move on. Uh, this is very interesting. The resurrection of two witnesses. Now, this is during the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Remember next week, we're going to be talking about the Antichrist, okay? Uh, Revelation chapter 11. Let's look at verse number 3 through 12. Well, let's start verse number 1. Revelation 11, verse number 1. And there was given me a reed like under a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. So that forty and two months is actually three and a half years. Okay, the Gentiles shall tread underfoot the holy city uh, forty and two months. Uh, verse number three, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. Now that 1,260 days, like three score is 60, um, is actually equivalent also to 42 months and is also equivalent to three and a half years. Remember the tribulation period is seven years. So the first part of the seven year tribulation period, these two witnesses will be prophesying. Okay? Now verse number four. Uh, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing for the God of the earth. And if many ma any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven and it rain not in the days of their prophecy, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So where was Jesus crucified? in uh, Mount Calvary, right? In other words, in in Israel. That is where, that's the country, that's uh, the nation that's being referred to. Um, now verse number 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the grave, in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. You know, I think that when the rapture takes place and uh, 
So the believers are no longer here, and so the unbelievers will, will wonder and will begin to think. But then they will be overcome by the, uh, uh, this uh, Antichrist and the world leader who will instead cause them to rejoice. The troublemakers are no, no longer here. Amen. The, 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 uh, uh, those who are, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're referred as troublemakers. We, and I think we should be troublemakers in that sense where we preach the gospel and preach the truth. And if we're not seen as troublemakers, then something's wrong. Amen. And that is why our preaching and our, our, you know, our, our doctrine should be something that is uh, completely based on the Word of God, regardless of how people accept the truth of the Word of God. So here they're rejoicing, and uh, I think that's what's going to happen. Verse 11, after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. So they're going to be resurrected, and they're going to be taken up to heaven. So this is another resurrection that is mentioned in the Bible that is going to happen during the tribulation period. So immediately after the rapture, these two witnesses will begin to preach and will begin to uh, condemn the nations, the sins of the nations. They will be hated, and they will do this for about three and a half years. And they won't be killed during that time. They're protected, but after that, they will be killed to fulfill this prophecy, but the Lord will resurrect them. They will be resurrected, and they will be brought up to heaven. Now, uh, let's move on. The resurrection, remember this is part of the first resurrections. The tribulation martyrs will be resurrected. Revelation chapter 20. So those who will die during the tribulation period, Revelation chapter 20, will also be resurrected. This is now after the second coming of Christ. Revelation chapter 20 verse number um, well let's just begin verse number 1 and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottom of the spit and a great chain in his hand and he laid a hold on the dragon that old serpent which is the devil and Satan bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season and I saw thrones so, so so that verse there verse 3 is describing you know where the devil will be for a thousand years while Christ will reign on the earth from Jerusalem uh, but towards the end of the thousand years he will be released and he will do basically the same things he's able to do today and even much more um towards the end of the thousand years. Okay, verse number four. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, 
and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So the beginning of the reign of Christ, those who were beheaded during the tribulation period will be resurrected and will reign with Christ for a thousand years. In other words, this is the only way for anyone during the tribulation period to be saved from uh, the lake of fire. For them to to uh, resist uh, the mark of the beast, uh, resist from worshiping the Antichrist, and um, in fact, as a matter of fact, will uh, be beheaded. I mean, it says very clearly here, those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Um, go with me to Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 17. Okay, this is the second coming of Christ. Second coming of Christ, okay? And I saw an angel, chapter 19, verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These were both were cast alive into a lake, of fire burning with brimstone and the remnant were slain with a sword of him that sat upon the horse which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh who is this that sits upon the horse that's Jesus right and the remnant in other words you know verse number 20 uh, verse number 19 these are the world leaders with their armies who will decide to make war against Jesus and they will all be uh, killed and whoever survives that and the remnant were slain with a sword of him that sat upon the horse in other words it's, it seems to me like it's either they are going to be beheaded um, in chapter 20 verse number 4 beheaded for the witness of Jesus, or they will be killed or slain uh, with the sword of, of uh, him that sat up on the horse, or Jesus Christ. So it seems to me like during the tribulation period, there are just two, two classes of people, those who will bow and have the mark of the beast and will worship the beast, and, or those who will refuse to receive the mark of the beast and will be beheaded because the Bible says those who are beheaded for the witness of Jesus they are the ones who will be resurrected at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ see so I'm looking here and I'm I'm sure that everyone here will be uh, is saved and born again has trusted in Jesus as your personal savior and you are not you will know you will not go through the tribulation period. Because during the tribulation period, 
And if, if you do, then you remember you have to basically offer yourself to be beheaded for you to be resurrected at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. Because otherwise you will be slain by uh, at the coming of the Lord, at His second coming. And what happens to those who are slain, who did not, who were not beheaded for Christ? Look in verse number five. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Okay, so if you were not beheaded, uh, those I shouldn't say you, right? Because everybody's saved. Amen. Those who are not saved will go through tribulation, will either be beheaded or will be slain by at the coming of the Lord. And those who are slain at the coming of the Lord, they will, uh, they will not, the uh, uh, rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. In other words, they will remain dead and then... Uh, and then they will be resurrected at the end of the thousand years. Where do we see that? Well, again, continue verse number five. The rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. And then just, if you want to put, just put a bracket there, the next sentence is, this is the first resurrection. This is referring to those who were beheaded. Okay, those who were beheaded will be resurrected at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, but those who were slain by Jesus will not be resurrected until a thousand years. Now, uh, verse number six, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no, more, no power. But they shall be priests of God, and Christ, and Christ shall reign with him a thousand years. Again, so those who were beheaded will be part of the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power. Now notice the second death. Revelation 21 verse number 8 talks about the second death also. Okay? But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Now, we use, I use this a lot in preaching and soul winning, witnessing, that uh, this is the place, the final destination for those who die in their sin, whether they're murderers or simply liars. Okay, the second death. In Revelation 20, verse number 6, it says here, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. Remember, these are those who did not trust in Christ as their personal Savior, go through the tribulation period, then maybe realize, maybe remember that they sat in a service and they heard a message. Maybe they, somebody explained this to them. And now they're aware of what they need to do. And instead of uh, receiving the mark of the beast, instead of bowing to the, uh, to the Antichrist, they will uh, be beheaded. And so that's the way for a person to be saved during the tribulation period. Now, that is why, as believers, we will not go through the tribulation period because 
We have been saved from the wrath to come. Now think about this. If a believer has to go through the tribulation period, what kind of salvation is that? That is a works salvation. Amen? Works salvation. Because you're simply going to do the right thing. Which is not receive the mark of the beast, not bow down to the Antichrist, and obey God. Now remember, no matter how you obey what God says in His Word, if you have not trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, all your good deeds are just filthy rags. It will not save you. So salvation during the tribulation period is no longer by faith, it is by works. In fact, it is a very difficult work that you need to do. Beheaded. Only those, in fact, I'll say this, because this is what the Bible says. Those who were beheaded, them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, they are the only ones who will be resurrected at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. There's no way for a person to be saved unless he's beheaded. That is why salvation for you and I must be today. Because we have been saved, those who are saved is, are saved from the wrath of God. The tribulation period is a time of wrath from God. But God's wrath against uh, the wickedness of the world will be revealed and will uh, uh, and, and uh, and so, uh, we're, we're, we're uh, saved from that. Now, um, so what will happen to those who are going to be slain by at the coming of the Lord? Verse number 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to get together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And, the, and fire came out down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone. For the beast and the false prophet are, and it shall be tormented night and day, day and night, forever and forever. That's why the second death, the lake of fire, is for eternity, day and night, forever and ever. Day and night, forever and ever. So imagine swimming in the lake of fire. It's going to be day. It's going to be night. It's going to be day again. It's going to be night. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Told me, I said, why can God, why would God allow that if He's a loving God? No. God loves you. That's why He wants you to be saved today. But God is holy. God is perfect, righteous. So that even the smallest mark, you know, we always, I describe it this way. It was a, a perfectly white sheet, and which they say represents the holiness of righteousness of God. And there was just one little mark that would make that white sheet no longer perfect. So even the sin, just the sin that you and I were born with, is an eternal offense 
against eternally holy God, which must be eternally punished. But for the love of God. That's why God, that's why Jesus took that punishment. Because there's no way, there's no way that you and I can be saved from the punishment of our sin for the rest of eternity without the perfect sacrifice. So the perfect holiness of God requires an eternal punishment for sin. But Jesus was perfect. Uh, uh, took that punishment and that's why the sacrifice of Jesus satisfies the wrath of God against our sin. There's no other Savior. No other Savior. And if you're here and you have not trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, it'd be so tragic if you died in that condition and end up in hell and then later on the lake of fire. Let's get into your reading and we're about to end here. Okay? Uh, okay. Uh, day and night, forever and ever. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. Another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. I guess works matter. Works matter. I, there might, so, the, so it seems to me like there might be degrees of punishment for eternity. Because, you know, let's face it. Humanly speaking, there are actually people who are good and upstanding you know, uh, very kind, very charitable, but they're not saved. They will go to hell. They'll go to the lake of fire. They never bow the knee. They never confess Jesus as Lord. They'll go to hell, lake of fire. But I guess according to their works, then they'll have it a little bit easier. But I can't imagine how, how much comfort that is, huh? In the lake of fire, swimming in the lake of fire. But anyway, that's what the Bible says. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead, which were in it, and death and hell uh, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the there you go again the second death whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire so verse 13 the dead which were in it and, you know, the Lord really knows. I mean, the Lord is eternal. Amen. And so he knew that we would be asking this, but what about those eaten by the sharks? <laughs> right? And right there it says, and the sea gave up the dead. So I guess those, you know, uh, the extreme, dismemberment of, you know, a human body. But the sea gave up the dead. That means their bodies. And, and uh, which were in it. And death. And hell, the souls that are already in hell today, the soul and the body will be taken out of earth for, I mean, uh, whether in the sea or in the grave, the body will be taken out of there and, and uh, those souls in hell and they will be reunited. And what will happen? And uh, they will... Um, stand before God at the great white throne judgment. The judge according to the works. 
and then they will be cast into the lake of fire. So, you know, the saying, from the pan to the fire, um, this is a little bit worse than that. Much, much worse than that. From fire to fire. I just, I, I said this before, I'll say it again, this illustration. So remember, Kobe Bryant, I, I, don't, I don't know him. I don't know if anybody here knows him. But for all that he was and all that he had, and all that he still is today to many people, the last experience he had here on earth, what was it? A ball of fire. A ball of fire. And if he's not saved, he was not born again from a ball of fire to hellfire. And then to the lake of fire. Imagine. Everything in this earth, you know, can't even begin to compare to what eternity is. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have. You leave everything behind. The only thing you carry in the eternity is either your salvation or your damnation. The Bible says, He that believeth not is not condemned. But he that believeth is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. If you're here and you have not believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are what they would call walking dead. In other words, you're just waiting for the day that you will be in hell. You're alive today, but you're already condemned. The only way to change that, the only way for that to change is for you to humble yourself before God. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you deserve to go to hell. And put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone Amen. as your personal Savior. That's the only way for your destination to change. There's no other way. You're born with sin. You're headed to hell. You don't have to do anything. You can enjoy 150 years in this earth. Everything that you want. Everything that you need. You will die and leave everything behind. And go to And by the way, that applies to your loved ones. That applies to your children, grandchildren. They need a Savior. What's, what should be important to you and I today is you're saved, but also your loved ones. Where are they going to go if they were to die? In heaven, there's a great reunion. In hell, there is no such reunion. It's sad to know people who died without Christ never see them again. Some people say, oh, I like hell because I'll, I'll see my friends over there. They'll be there, but you never meet each other. You'll be busy taking care of your own business. There's no reunion. In heaven, there's a beautiful reunion. Amen. God wants you to go to heaven. Amen. Not just you, but your friends and your relatives, your loved ones. Uh, your, uh, you know, As we get up in age, our grandchildren, their children, we want them all to go to heaven. So are you doing your part to make sure that they will go to heaven? We'll stop here and here and continue next week. We do have um, pretty much covered the second resurrection already. Uh, and so let's move on to uh, next week's lesson, the Antichrist. Amen. The Antichrist, Revelation 13, 1-7. Please go ahead and read that in advance, and we will um, uh, discuss that next week. Okay, well, good to see everyone here this morning. Let's take our reports. Uh, Sister Helen, you ready? Amen.
How many gospel conversations do we have this week? How many people did we witness to this week? Raise your hand and we'll come. One, two, five. Three, okay. Five plus three is eight. Let's do it one, amen. And plus, I had two, seven. Okay, seven gospel conversations. Gospel conversations. But the Farringer is when we we at least are able to start or and then go a little bit further and maybe finish a, com- a gospel presentation. Uh, but if they're not ready, then we don't push it. But at least we, you know, we make it a goal to witness someone. How many visits did you make this week? Visits. Raise your hand. Invite to come to church. Uh, three, five, eight. I want four um, plus uh, eight, twelve plus two, fourteen plus three, fifteen. Right? Oh, what did I say? Plus three, okay, sorry. Fourteen plus three, seventeen. 